welcome back to 64 a chess podcast i am david coming at you live as always from the great state and very cold uh champagne illinois uh joining me on the podcast today is uh, the manager of croatia bulldogs acclaimed chessable author somebody who i've just randomly been dming over the last couple of months about chess and books and life seems like a very good guy also a podcast critic apparently um and probably the most famous uh croatian in chess uh you know that, that was a joke you know but uh <laughs> but uh please welcome uh Vyekoslav Nemec to the show hi hi david thanks for inviting me uh, apparently i wasn't uh, critical enough of the podcast in time here but <laughs> we, can, we can take care of this uh yeah. through, during this episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i believe i have the link pulled up uh this uh, was not a controversial issue at all by the way this uh so so Vieco made like this list of like all the big chess podcasts in the scene. And of course I didn't make the first tier, which is understandable. Um, Cause you know, if you had a regular schedule, but uh, it was close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, um, yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. Unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I actually, sh- I should probably run a poll uh, about this. It, it, I'll tell you what's, what's hard, like about the regular schedule is that, I do all this stuff like alone. So, you know, and I also have like school and other projects that I'm working on um, on the side to this. So like, you know, I don't have a producer like some people do. I don't have like, you know, somebody to get the interviews. So when I'm getting interviews, it's literally like cold DMing people still to this day or cold emails, like, and just hoping I get an answer. So sometimes I'll just be waiting for like a month and like nothing is happening. And now like recently I've got like five or six interviews lined up. So that's like really good. But you know, then, um, you know, it's also difficult. Like you record an interview and uh, like, let's say we have the pro chess league coming up. So if I record this and I schedule you for like three weeks, well now nobody cares because it's already begun, you know? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Like, I mean, to be honest, when I was writing that thing, like I was, it, it's kind of hard because like, you know, first of all, I'm like, who am I to criticize? Like, I don't know anything about podcasting. Like, so I, and it's very hard to make a distinction. Like, to, you know, nowadays there are so many good podcasts and, and so many podcasts. So kind of trying to, you know, distinguish from one another. Like, like I, I had the trouble because, you know, for example, distinguishing between your, your podcast and some other podcast. Like I listen to them regularly, both of them. So I kind of had to latch onto something maybe that wasn't the core and the strongest argument out there. And I, I completely understand you with this doing alone thing. Like, I know how it is. Like, literally today I was writing on my newsletter kind of, which has been dormant for like a year and a half. So it's kind of, and you should do it regularly and stuff. So I can definitely understand how hard it is to get the rhythm. And yeah, I mean, I'm basically doing only that and you have a lot of other stuff at your plate. So yeah, that was maybe not the, the most on point thing I have ever written, but it is there. So we've survived. No, I think it, but I think it's fair. And I mean, I, I, I certainly uh, don't recommend, even like I was at some conference last week, um, and somebody found out that I have this chess podcast and asked me like, oh, like which episode should I start with? And I basically just started by giving them uh, <laughs> perpetual chess. <laughs> said, Go listen to my favorite episode of perpetual chess first. So, you know, like that there's like better stuff out there. Um, I, mean, I mean, you are not. I mean, to be fair, like the one with Sweetler maybe or, or the one with Miro nowadays, I think they're like. They are unique. They have unique vibe and some sort of raw honesty that that's not always 
yeah, I think you're, you you got a good out of it. Of course, after this episode, you can tell people to go listen to this one. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, this one's going to be a banger. Um, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, we can we can actually start. I mentioned the uh, I mentioned the pro chess league. I think you said that the qualifiers are starting today. Um, mm -hmm. Now, this team was actually originally known as the Zagreb Chess Essentials. I did not know this. Uh, but you changed the name at some point. Uh, you also, at the end of 2022, you got uh, the your fellow countryman, Agad Mator, to uh, be involved with the team in some capacity. That's what your website says. And mm -hmm. uh, we could talk about that in a sec. But you also have, I'll just read this lineup. Uh, Bogdan Daniel Diak, Leon Livac, Ante Saric, Sasha Martinovic, young Iranian player, Dania Bardejvar. Uh, and then two of the strongest female players on the planet, Polina Shuvalova and Elena Robers. Everybody knows Elena Robers after um, like her last uh, tournament. I know she didn't end up having the best score, but she did have a very impressive performance in a field that was on paper much stronger than her. So, um, yeah, this is a pretty stacked lineup for the Pro Chess League. And um, first thing I want to ask you is like, how do you feel overall about the lineup that you have this year? No, I'm I'm super happy. Um, I mean, yeah, it's how how to even begin this. So first of all, I don't know the lineups of other teams, so I don't know how let's say comparable to the to these teams we are. But um, yeah, I think uh, like so. So one thing you have to understand about the Proches week. So for for a while, like in the, especially in the initial iterations, they used to have this thing that that was average uh, team rating. So you couldn't have a team. Uh, above a certain level, right? And then in the previous season, that which was 2020, I think they either removed it or they did it extremely high. I think it, there was no rating limit at all, which in my mind was a little bit pity because, because uh, yeah, then I mean, then we weren't competitive at all back in the day. So, uh, so uh, yeah, when um, for this season they reintroduced it back. I believe it's, it's if it's at twenty five fifty, and there are some regulations that say that uh, twenty seven hundred plus players and female players they are like counted differently. But overall, I think when you take our average and let's say the team consists of four players for qualification, so when you take that that average into account and the fact that many many people won't be able to play multiple twenty seven plus grandmasters, at least that's what I expect. I'm kind of optimistic, and and yeah, my, I think we will be competitive, but we'll see what the season brings. Of course, yeah, it, you can never tell with these things, but I, th I definitely hope we will be more competitive than the last time when we won one match and ended up decisively lost in our group. So we'll see. So you write on the on the website that uh, you have a Gadmator involved in some capacity. I'm kind of curious, like. What exactly is his role? Is he going to be doing like you know broadcasts for you guys? Is he just representing the team? Like, what exactly is he going to be doing? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I'm not sure either. No, but um, so how, how this happened is basically uh, so to, at the end of 2022, uh, I got an email that uh, yeah the new season is coming, and since I was a former manager, they are letting me know I can apply and so on, and. Um, yeah, at the, at the time I wasn't quite sure whether I want to do it because it's like a lot of effort and, and I didn't want to half, do it half-assedly and like unprofessionally. I said, okay, if we are doing it, then I really want to have a competitive lineup and do it properly. Um, so when they sent this invitation, uh, on the application form, they noted, hey, like 
can you quote us with which content creators you are going to work with uh, throughout the season, right? And I said, okay, because they, they emphasize that they are putting some thought and uh, importance to the content creation side of things. So then I said, okay, like, I pr we probably don't like, you know, I'm not that big of a name. Uh, so let me, I know, and kind of, kind of know Agan Matter more or less personally. So I kind of reached out to him and said, Hey, like, do you want to, can I quote you there? Can you do, are you interested into, in, in working with us and, you know, giving our name and your name and support? And he said, yes. The problem was we didn't quite define what that support would be. So I, and so yeah, it, it, and he's kind of a busy man. So he would definitely do some coverage in terms of videos on his channel. He said he might do the broadcasts, but that is not yet, uh, yeah, it's not yet uh, yeah, certain whether that will happen. And also, Chesscom said that they would uh, set some prerequisites uh, from the on, in terms of content produced, uh, which we haven't yet gotten. So I guess that will also guide how how he will do. But you know, I, I like I don't want to. I, I'm always wary when I'm working with somebody who's let's say more accomplished and established than myself. I really don't want to pull him by sleeves and you know, like I, I kind of leave it to him to dictate the tempo. I kind of have some minimum expectations in terms of doing videos, but the rest is up to him basically. And and he's doing like he's doing some retweets, he's promoting the team in, in some way and helps with that aspect, which I, I'm happy with. Now you never thought to reach out to me and say, hey man, you wanna, you know, do something? <laughs> The, the season is still yet far away if you want to do broadcasting. You are now a staff with co-commentator of Evgeny Miroshenko, which I actually want to ask you about how that happened. I, 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 I didn't quite get what was that. Sorry, I just kind of stumbled upon it and, and heard it in the interview yesterday. But but yeah, sure, the offer is on the table. We'll, we'll, we'll DM something if you want. <laughs> sure. L listen, I that was actually not my last time. I did I did a broadcast with uh, with my friend Lula, Lula Robs, mm -hmm. um, like a week later. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So actually, I was not only a co-commentator, but then I actually did the lead commentary a week later. So, you know, I'm I'm getting there. Peter Svidler, watch out. Uh, <laughs> Coming for your job, David Howell. Like no, no, nobody's safe out here. You know. Yeah, Tata still twenty twenty four. We know who Chesscom will hire, right? Like... Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're gonna have me wearing a suit, looking like an idiot. Like just, uh, just yeah, give it a shot. Um, no, yeah, I mean that week we, I, I was like kind of kidding, you know, self deprecating style or, or whatnot. I yeah, yeah I, got you, I got you. I got you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about, you know, getting some of these players? Like, what was that process like? Obviously, some of them are Croatian, so I imagine it wasn't, like, super-duper hard, though. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, obviously you have, like, young Iranian talent, ta sorry, young Iranian ta talent and, um, you know, Polina Shuvalova and uh, Eline. So, like, how difficult was it to get in contact with them? Uh, I mean, honestly, not that difficult because, I mean, yeah, nowadays... In, in the time of social media and online profiles, it's kind of easy to get to people. I mean, of course, the, 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 I reached to more people than that. Some people didn't reply because chess players are not the most agile when it comes to replying, <laughs> especially via emails. But that's so, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, the Croatian players I, I personally met and uh, Leon and Ante Saric, they played for the team in the previous seasons. So, so it wasn't so, so difficult to, to get them. And yeah, I mean, the other rest was just, hey, you want to play for the team, you reach out to them, you offer them some compensation, which uh, I think this year is like, um, 
that was that was an aspect where I put much more attention and and which and I tried to like increase it. Uh, it, it has to be f said that also Chesscom is very generous in that regard. So they are providing price funds uh, a certain minimum amount of price fund for every team, and I decided to distribute it among the players. So that usually when you are asking somebody to play for your team, the compensation is the the most important aspect. So yeah, it was a combination like. Yeah, like Leon, for example, knows Polina. They have been working on chess together, so I got his contact, her contact from him. Uh, that's Bogdan. I asked, I contacted via Facebook literally, Bardia Daneshwar via chess.com, and the winner Robbers. I kind of met in Groningen in December because my girlfriend Michael was playing in the Dutch Championship where Lena was competing. Uh, I didn't like introduce myself formally <laughs> because I don't know it's you know chess tournaments and chess players, and it's and everybody focused on their games. But then after the tournament, like I was talking to Mike and she said, well, you might ask Alina to play for, for the team. And she gave me the email. So, so yeah, it kind of worked out. It's really not that hard. It's just time consuming and, and yeah, you have to negotiate a little bit. But more or less, everybody accepted relatively quickly, I guess. Oh, very nice. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was a little upsetting uh, that last year they didn't continue the Pro Chess League. Um, I kind of thought they, you know, Kind of thought, yeah. I think last year there was no pro chess league at all. No, it wasn't. I think for the last two seasons. No, the last one was in twenty twenty, but before the pandemic, I think. Yeah, is Greg Shahadi still the commissioner? Yeah, yeah, he's involved. He's involved. But I guess what the reason why they didn't want to do it, I, I presume, I mean, obviously they were experimenting with different formats and stuff to figure out what's like the best and what can gather audience. I guess it was not their most, uh, let's say, yeah, profitable event, if you want to speak. These are all my guesses, by the way. I don't have any insights into that. Uh, I presume in the pandemic, they were focusing more on stuff like PogChamps and, and other projects. And also, you have to remember that last time in 2020, there was a very anticlimactic end to the league where a team was caught cheating and that kind of ruined the whole deal. So I guess they also didn't, yeah. That's uh PP and Pampers. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who can who can forget? Um, <laughs> and apparently that wasn't even the last case of, uh, or it wasn't even the first case, I should say, of cheating in the Pro Chess League. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, what was this? It turned out later. Norway yes. gnomes. Yes, yes, yes. The president of the Norway gnomes, who I think was later like the vice president of the Norway Chess Federation, and ended up, you know, he like cheated in two games. Wasn't he president? Or a vice president. I, maybe he was president. It's possible. Yeah, I think uh, he was a president actually. So yeah, nice. I mean also <laughs> much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Com comforting. Uh, you're yeah, probably I mean, right. I guess, yeah, but I guess you know uh, when there's money on the line, people will be tempted. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, I'm hopefully in the wake of all the yeah everything that happened in the last few months. I hope the this year there will be not no such issues. I think I hope so. I think, like, uh, to a degree, now it's probably different. I think that the team events have become, like, randomly super popular. Like, I remember, like, the Olympiad streaming numbers this summer compared to, like, years past was, like, insane. And even stuff like, you know, like, uh, European team championships, like, stuff like that, they just seem a lot more popular than they used to be. So I think it, that's that's probably good news for the Pro Chess League because I love watching team events. I've talked about this on the podcast, but it's um, it's a completely different dynamic. Like you, you can't just play for draws usually, unless you're 
you know, your team is completely winning. I mean, if you're like, if you're playing a rook end game and, you know, four v three, two strong players, uh, and like you're down a point or half a point, you're not playing that for a draw like you normally would, you know, and that's could be like the first round. So you, I feel like you just get a lot more exciting games and also like, you know, depending on the board positions, people kind of play differently. So I, I, I mean, I guess online is probably a little different because you're not like walking around and seeing how your friends are doing, but like, nonetheless, I think that, uh, I think that's a very good sign for the pro chess league that, that hopefully people will be more interested. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I know that many people were like, yeah, like, are usually enthusiastic. I really like that. Like, the reason why I decided to join that competition was because I liked the format and I liked it primarily as a fan. I think it was a cool concept. To be fair, especially in the early editions when you would have, like, much lower rating cap. So you had, like, a 21, 22 players playing Caruana and Nakamura and stuff. And, and there, were, there would be, every now and then, there would be an upset, uh, which was cool. But, yeah, we will see. I mean... Yeah, it is a little bit different, I think, because, yeah, when you play, for example, the Olympia, then there is all these uh, yeah, national uh, feelings and, you know, I guess you are playing with people, you know, because quite frankly, some of the team members in, in my team, they, they don't know each other, like it's a little bit more random, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think there is certain responsibility to the team. And, and, and for me personally, as a player also, I, I perform my best and I really like playing the team events the most. It's There's something, you know, some, some extra pressure and feeling when you are like, everybody's observing your moves and if you do something stupid and dumb you know everybody will ask you why did you do that so so it's it's, it's interesting but uh, then that, it's a good question how much it translates to online format and and process week that, that that's some debatable but but i still think it's a fascinating event even when i was in denmark i played my first like team events i played in like danish chess league like the fifth division or whatever sixth division and that was a lot of fun and i i they actually pulled me in late like they, some guy like wasn't able to go to anymore, so they said, "Hey, like, I, I beat one guy on the team." And this is actually almost exactly a year ago. I I beat him. I I beat him in a, like a very short game, and then he was like, "Oh, we should get this guy." So they contacted me and they said, "You want to like play?" And I was like, "Oh, heck yeah!" And I lost most of my games actually. I just got smoked because like, these people were really good, but I did pick up like a win or two, and that was actually enough for us to get promoted. So last second, I entered and and helped the team uh, get promoted, which was nice won my final game like in the danish there's like a final like in denmark like where everybody meets up in like one town and there's like 400 people there all playing chess like most of them are just club players like there's not really like any super strong players all the strong players are upstairs and even then they were like 2000 you know they weren't like you know grandmasters or anything like it wasn't anything super so it felt like a nice community and um yeah i won my game and queen's gambit declined i remember that very nicely Oh wow, but 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 it's it's so so they even collect the players uh like from the lower leagues and they put them that's actually a pretty cool concept. I think that's yeah that that, that adds adds the extra feeling. I, I mean that's I guess one of the appeals of Tata Steel tournament as well that ordinary, you know, John's John Joe's from Everett Joe's get the opportunity to play along the world's very best. And and I think we have a very similar thing here in Croatia where it's called the Croatian Cup. So you have like original qualifiers and then the teams that qualify get to play like on the seaside and they usually have to play like all the best players Croatian, sometimes even foreign players get to participate. So in that, I, I used to, I, like the, that was the place where I personally played against former European champions, Denko Kojo, and also against Leon himself when, when he was already 25, 60. So those are like 
some of my highest rated, rated games in my life I played there. I think it's really, really yeah, good. And I guess the Olympiad is just that, but on steroids. So. Yeah, well, the, the Pro Chess League uh, qualifiers actually start today. And the main event is going to be in about two weeks, February 13th. Uh, it's a $150,000 prize fund. I actually think they increased it a little bit too, um, from like 110 to 150. Maybe they made some announcement that they're even making the prize pool bigger than expected or something. So that's pretty oh. cool. Oh, cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome, actually. Yeah. Um, all right. Time to revisit all the contract, damn it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, what I was saying before about... Because I used to watch a lot of... And actually, I've gotten into, like, Counter-Strike. My brother loves Counter-Strike, and, like, I stayed with him last summer in Miami. Uh, I was mm -hmm. helping him move, and we watched, like, a ton of Counter-Strike. And there's something a bit, like, inorganic about, like, how people become fans of teams. Or like Overwatch is another example. I don't know if you ever like watch like like professional like other esports like League of Legends or whatever. Oh but, no, I, I watch Dota, not no League of Legends, please. No, 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 no. <laughs> like League of Legends is to Dota what checkers are to chess. Please, no, no, no League of Legends. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a separate yeah. discussion. Like, cause I I mean personally I I get that. Like, I I I have a friend um who I met last year. I actually just stayed with him in DC. Shout out Colin. But he apparently was like top 500 or something in Dota at one point. Like he was like pretty, pretty good. He played like oh, wow. 12 hours of Dota a day and he got like really good. And he said, you know, that it's like, you know, such a deep game and stuff like that. So I, I should probably play more Dota or not. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have enough on my plate. Um, yeah, so it's probably the same in Dota though. Like, you know, you call yourself like the, let's say the New York Marshals. Um, but... Obviously, it's not like it's not really like a local team. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of it to some degree is like manufactured. Um, so like, you know, with something like the Pro Chess League, are you guys like trying to like I, I know on the league side, it's one thing. And I you guys can listen to my episode with like Greg Shahadi. I asked him some questions to this line. But like, you know, obviously, we would love to see something like the Pro Chess League become more popular and more stable, um, like not coming back every you know two three years randomly um but part of that i think is also like building like real fan bases and stuff like that so do you have a sense of like what your 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 fan base is like like is it going to be mostly like people from croatia i now you have a lean so i think that like everybody every all the you know the chess the real chess aficionados are going to be watching her games uh, as i will too you know yeah it's a good question i mean i mean in in the beginning of the of the weeks i think in the initial editions you were they, they had this sort of thing where they tried to give it local and then national character so you had like local players and free agents and i think you were allowed to have like only one free agent per round um in in, in the lineup right and uh, at some point that's why, by the way, we changed the name from Zagreb Essentials to, to Croatia Bulldogs because they require the name change so that it's not like city-based, but nation-based, uh, unless you are American at some point, which I think makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'm not like, as you said, you know, when you are doing everything alone, it's hard to keep track of everything. Like, I'm trying my best, but um, yeah, I don't think I am necessarily the, the, the best at like uh, collecting a fan base and, and marketing uh, a fan base. I do have some tentative plans, but um, as you said, when the league is 
every every like very sporadic and every two three three um, years then it's kind of hard to get it going so I, whenever it returns i kind of go back to step, step one and then do all the essential technical stuff i had some ideas and i do hope that yeah maybe croatian people people who know me younger generations will follow it uh but yeah I, i'm i'm not i don't have like a sense who who follows it uh, um, in general, I mean, when you said with the other esports teams, I, and how I actually get a fan of somebody, like I don't know, I, I I like their personality, I like their play, so I'm I'm not necessarily attracted to the team itself, but rather the players, or sometimes, as in case of I don't know how much you're familiar with, let's say OG in Dota 2 and their storyline, but that's basically a very big and cool and dramatic arc that team went from basically not qualifying for the world championship to winning it then then twice in the row so there was like a very cool narrative behind the entire team that kind of pulled me in and that's why i started rooting for them which i guess is kind of true for every endeavor so yeah to, to shortly answer your questions i have no idea who will be the fan base uh, i hope that people from croatia will follow because we do have some croatian players and they will play regularly and yeah like i, I know i've, I've been kind of active maybe some of my readers and stuff will follow and maybe some random fans along the way but it's true that for the for the moment, more can be done, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe some of the Agadmatrade audience will also catch up on 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 the format, and and will get attracted and start following. But we'll see. You know, one one way you could uh, you could also do it is just like stuff like selling merch, even like even like you know shirts and stuff like that. That would be pretty good. I don't know if they do that. I mean, I'm I'm a little upset because I think my team that I was rooting for in the last iteration, the New York Marshals, is not around anymore um so i like i think they're not at least they're not in this they have like another new york team i think they're called like the gotham knights or something i I forget i i haven't yeah yeah yeah. i i heard that yeah 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 Yeah, i I, I, we got the list of the teams but i don't know them from the top of my head honestly uh yeah i mean i mean but but, but once i said like it's true and uh, like i know that in some of the previous seasons like the process league itself sold merch from the teams uh and yeah i mean there's definitely true that a lot more could be done to, let's say, to bring this, this, everything to like a very high professional esport organization, which I guess is the ultimate goal. But I mean, there's so only so much one can do, and and I mean, I'm 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 personally already like, and it's a one, maybe like a one man project, and and it's hard. Like you know, if you want to establish a merch and do it properly, I guess you know, it takes some time to do. Definitely an idea, and there are definitely a lot more things one could be doing in that regard, but maybe with time and with other seasons, maybe you can add some more people to the team and slowly start growing. But we'll see what will happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that would that would definitely be cool to have like a, like a legit like you know chess league that people watch like every year. You know, kind of like the NBA or whatever or Dota or something. I think that would be would be pretty awesome. But uh, it's it's still getting there. And uh, but I'm but I'm really excited. Like uh, I have to find a new team to root for. So. I'll, uh, you know, I know, I know who I could root for now. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, I mean, didn't you? You were pitching yourself as a commentator. This is not the best pitch, then. Like, <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a good, it's a good point. Uh, no, no, no. Croatian Bulldogs all the way. Do you guys have like uh, like some? You you should write like a like an anthem. You know, like every, you know, every like famous esports team they have like their you know their chance that people put on Twitter or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Like really? Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm not I'm not that experienced. Like to be fair. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the other teams are doing, and I, I, like, I, I, I pre, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, I'm not know, talking about chess. I'm talking about like you know, like. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, but what I'm saying like you have to understand like the, the very fact that I, at least that's my viewpoint. Maybe I have, maybe I've just missed it, but I, as far as I know, we are 
at least I have seen it so far. We are the only team that actually has a website and it has a, like a promo trailer. And for me, you know, doing that promo tra trailer was like 20 hours trying to figure out how do we even do promo trailers. I mean, or I could have hired somebody on Fiverr, but I didn't want to. And I thought it's a useful skill to learn. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it just takes time and effort and, and you can do it all on yourself because there are also other things going on. Yeah, definitely like, uh, yeah more could be done from the aspect of the team managers and, and we'll see what the other teams will come up. Uh, I, I do hope that with time we can maybe get more professional and get more people involved, but we'll see how it will go. I mean, the qualifiers are literally today as of recording it, so I, I wouldn't hold my uh, hold my breath about, you know, the other managers, uh, you know, subtly doing some big promos. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, like, I know Hikaru is playing this year. I haven't, you know, I haven't even seen as much as... Uh... Yeah, but you have to understand that the qualifier, like, uh, so they have invited... 16 teams this year and 15 teams are already known right so the qualifier will give the 16 team but obviously these 15 teams are not uh not uh they are not participating in the qualifier yeah it's like so... random players right they're they're making like a team of like you know barnstormers like like people who have, who just you know like the the top whatever top five or let's say they in this tournament i think it's like today that they're yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. the last team right so that's uh yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting concept. I I'm excited though cuz like I said, I I love the team events and I I I believe that this could be something like a nice yeah. addition to the chess circuit. So, but yeah, I mean best of luck with that and and guys, obviously check out their games. Um I'm I certainly will. I want to also move to um you know, you've written a couple of chessable courses and you told me that you're actually working on some more, so I was wondering if you could uh, you know, of course, 64 Chess Podcast is sponsored by Chessable. Uh, you as know, they all are. as they all are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they let anybody, you know, they let anybody get the, the chessable box. So, um, but yeah, like, what are you, what are you working on right now? I am, I'm working on like a, a course on the Alekine defense because apparently all I can do are courses on, on dodgy openings for black against one four. Uh, yeah, like it's, it will be, I think, uh, so they, they, the chessable has this series that's called 100 repertoires. So where you have to present an entire repertoire in hundred or less lines. So yeah, I'm currently because they have quite a few like longer Alekine repertoires. And since Alekine is something that I have been playing, and since we were kind of scraping for a different topic, I thought, okay, why not? This seems like a nice project. I, I would like to share some of like my my take on this opening. So yeah, it's currently in the works, and and we'll see when it will be yeah, when it will see the the light of the day. Yeah. Now, why would you torture people and, and recommend them to play the Alakine? That's a good question, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> the, 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 the same question can be posed about the modern, yet people like it. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, you know, Alakine is one of those underrated weapons that can work extremely well if the opponent doesn't expect it or, or if they are not that prepared and many people are not that prepared. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't recommend you to play only that because then you're just a sitting duck. But like I've been playing, like recently I played in a tournament in, in Groningen Open against 2300 rated FM. He didn't know, have zero clue about it. He got worse position by move four, but, but literally zero clue, which was very surprising for him. And I was, because I was considering before the game, oh, should I play the Sicilian? And then I look, he has like 60% in literally all the Sicilians out there. And then I look, Alekhine, he has 35%. And I was like, okay, he obviously doesn't know what to do against it. And he probably won't expect it because I, I didn't play it in a while. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just an opening. Some people love it. So why not? Yeah, prompt people to do it, yeah. 
I've never played the Alakine in my life. So, um, I mean, I, I know the ideas and stuff like that. But I feel like with the Alakine, you're probably right that aside from like one or two like really super critical lines, like four pawns attack and, you know, stuff like that, I think you, you probably are okay most of the time. I mean, yeah, yeah, prop, yeah. I mean, yeah, four points attack is definitely a big headache. I'm, I'm not looking forward to that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, for, but for example, Bortnik plays it all the time, and he, okay, he's a super strong player. You could make an argument he would beat, like he would, he, he would make score victories with any opening. But uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, you know, it's kind of okay. I mean, why not? They're definitely worse. They're definitely better openings. But I mean, not everybody can just play the Berlin and the Nidorf, I guess. So why not? I don't think anybody wants to play that either. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, when, when do you think this course is going to come out? Oh, I can say that because the people for Chessable will kill me. They they always get mad at authors because, oh, he said this course is coming in whatever, but uh, he has no idea how the process works. And that's why you know, we have, then we have to justify to the people on the forums when they keep asking me when the course is coming. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I guess in the first half of 2023 is reasonable guess and wide enough I, I guess in a couple of months or something but we'll see they they have a quite a busy schedule these days with uh, with the merger and stuff so it's 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 even harder to time the slot in the schedule than it used to be so we'll see yeah i, I actually have a little well you know so you met through being a manager you work with chess.com for like you know pro chess league and then also obviously you've worked with chessable for a long time you have this course mm -hmm. in the modern defense now you're writing a second one um a third, right? Yes, that's, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting. So, it's very sorry. I should have like, I, I totally forgot. So what's the other course? Uh, it's uh, white uh, against the Sicilian. Ah, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I did yeah. look at this a couple of days ago. Yeah, so. no, don't, don't, don't worry. Nobody cares about that one. I'm, 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 no, I'm still known as the modern guy. And yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. Gave, gave some weird sidelines with white. It's okay. No, it, it happens. I, I even often forget I, I have a second course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great too. That's still, that's still awesome. Um, but you know, I'm grateful to my corporate overlords. Um, very grateful uh, for the sponsorship and stuff like that. But you know, there has been like it, it does feel, and I talked about this in my podcast with Miro like last week, right? But mm -hmm. there, it does seem like chess has become a lot more corporatized in the last few years. Like yeah, certainly with. I actually just got to that part of the podcast of, of the episode. I haven't listened <laughs> it fully, so don't spoil it yet. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward. Miro had some interesting takes, but yeah, please, sorry, go on. Yeah, well, yeah, Miro had a lot of interesting takes. I, I had a blast of that episode. Uh, you guys should check that out. But yeah, and uh, like what I was saying, it does feel like uh, the chess world has become like very corporatized very quickly, and you know, so some people, you know, who, you know, not to get political here, but some people who like, uh, you know, for them it's like capitalism equals evil. I mean, I'm sure that's not a. Uh, a great day for them to, to have to witness that. Um, I think I'm a lot more pragmatic, you know, if it, if it is going to bring money to the game and if good things happen out of it, like why not? Um, but obviously like I kind of did a double take on that whole thing when the Han stuff started because, you know, he had this like ridiculous lawsuit. Um, I don't know. I even know who, who the hell wrote that lawsuit. It's like, it's crazy. It's like there's spelling errors and stuff, but there was actually one thing in that lawsuit where they talked about, you know, this like monopoly that's out to get him. And if he didn't have like, no offense to Hans, but like if he didn't have moron lawyers working for him, I mean, there's actually probably a pretty good case there um, that, you know, 
because he got like banned from chess.com right as the Magnus stuff came out, seemingly for no reason. Um, you know, if, if I mean, it's one thing if you like believe the accusations, then okay, that there's a reason. But even like this report that they came out, it doesn't seem super justified that they did that. And I can only conclude that it had something to do with chess.com's, you know, deal with Magnus, um, you know, that I guess they didn't want to upset him or put in, you know, put their their reputation with him at risk. And it seems like, to be fair, it seems like every tournament is going to have to pick Magnus over Hans now because it's like five-time world champion versus, you know, perennial 2700. Like, who are you going to pick? Obviously, <laughs> Magnus Carlsen. Um, so, I don't know. I guess, like, in, in that context, you know, you, you, you obviously work with both of these companies. Um, I have friends in both of these companies. Like, I, I like both of these companies, but I, I, I wonder, like, just, like, What's going to be the long-term impact on chess aside from, you know, yay, grow the game and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm kind of conflated about this entire thing. So first of all, you said, oh, there are people who say capitalism is evil. I, I'm not that hardcore, but I'm definitely closer to that side and capitalism is the greatest thing that has ever happened to the planet Earth. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how, how much I like the, the fact that chess is becoming corporate and becoming the industry. Uh, I mean, part of it was what I tried to very inconcisely formulate in my article about chess podcast, because I felt that there are now all sorts of, okay, not to insult anybody, but let's say people without that much experience trying to make some money out of it. Um, I also don't think, you know, when people say, oh, let's grow the game, oh, there's more money in chess. It's a big question for whom, like, uh, what I have very, like, long time ago concluded that people who are most prone to saying, let's grow the game, are usually the ones who benefit most directly from growing the game. And you could make this into a whole big uh, conversation about the trickle-down effect, but I'm not 100% sure whether you see that trickle-down effect from growing the game to, or, or not to that same very large extent as you would expect. I mean, Maybe I'm being hypocritical because on one hand, I'm the one who's like making a living out of chess, which probably wouldn't have been possible 10 days, 10 years ago. And I make a, like my living mostly out of chess and some other stuff. But whether we are seeing this big trickle down effect scale and whether we are, uh, whether more people will, like whether that money will go outside of, let's say, top 10, top 20. And that's a big question. Another have, I personally have a problem is because I, my personal values are kind of anti-materialistic and I'm not necessarily think that just getting more money, more money is necessarily the best thing that we can do about this entire thing. That's, uh, that's a very incoherent argument, but I'm not necessarily sure that's the solely the thing that we should be aiming for, especially since people who are very loud about it, like Levy and I don't know, Hikaru Nakamura, I mean, they already have more money than they will ever need in their entire life, in my opinion. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very conflicted about this topic and uh, I'm, yeah. Bit, I think it, uh, yeah. it's good, in my opinion, to, that people can make an insane living. I mean, Levy, I did talk about this on another podcast I recorded, which should be out um, by the time this is uh, posted with Noel Studer comes back. So uh, shout out Noel, but you know, Levy makes more than virtually every professional chess player on the planet, except maybe Magnus. I mean, he he makes a lot, and that's just from being a, a very good teacher. So I think that it is, it's great. I mean, Agamotor is another example. I, he also seems like a guy who, you know, he doesn't like blow up his 
YouTube channel with ads all the time with like, you know, six ad reads and stuff like that. Like he's just very, that's why I always liked him. And I mean, I credit him with like really getting into chess. Like I remember watching his Bobby Fischer saga and all that and like falling in love with the dragon. That was all him, but it was nice that he wasn't, you know, it, it never seemed like a, like a grift. Yeah. Obviously with this corporatization, you're going to get the grifters and stuff like that. But like fundamentally, I think it is probably good that um, a lot more people, can in theory make a living off of chess or you know even if you're like me like a total hobbyist or whatever like i can make a little bit off of chess now like through you know little jobs here and there if people hire me which i i think is is very good um i'm just i'm mostly worried you know even people who who say which i i guess usually i'm more in this camp like you know capitalism is the the greatest i won't say it's the greatest gift to humanity it has issues and stuff like that um but uh I mean, there's a monopoly now. Chess.com doesn't have a competitor. I mean, what, Lee Chess, are we, are we kidding? Like, maybe when the servers are down, but Chess.com is approaching 100 million members. I mean, Lee Chess is not anywhere near that. And it's operating on like $8,000 a month, I think, is their total cost a month. I mean, they, they have, you know, they're much more limited. And it's impressive what they managed to do. But like, let's let's be real here. I mean, you know, they're, they're <laughs> it's like they're, they're, in different, they're in different leagues, I mean, in terms of what they're able to do. Like, so... And I know Lee Chess is open source. I, I'm, I'm rambling here, but um, yeah, like their chess.com doesn't have any competition anymore. I mean, okay, fine. If you want to say chess, chess 24 was never really a competitor, I would actually even disagree with that because I mean, I was doing Olympiad commentary for, for Dina Belenkaya in the summer and chess.com's uh, events page was totally broken. And I ended up just following the games on chess 24 and just relaying the moves onto, onto the chess.com board because like, the DGT board was completely like the feed was completely messed up for some games. And so, and chess 24, like, you know, it's it, to this day, I still think it's probably the, the best place to actually watch a chess tournament, like just to at least follow the games or see how somebody's doing it at a tournament. So I don't know. I think that, that, that aspect is, is not really super good. Um, yeah, I have heard this. Like I, I know that also chess dojo and like David Proust with whom I somehow seem to have very common language and, and like I, I think he's one of the guys with, with whom I have very similar viewpoints okay he's also very or, or somewhat anti-cap more on the anti-capitalist side so I guess it's just natural and he also thinks Catan is the worst board game that was ever created so that, that, do you agree yeah, yeah I think it's horrible I, I hate Catan <laughs> with all my heart and I I like I I'm forced to play Catan with every almost every month because my hillbilly friends think it's the greatest invention in the humanity and I'm just trying to get Fortunately, last time we played seven bonters and that, it was like a little bit more sophisticated and I was already happy. So yeah, David was very, very tilted when both Kostya and Jesse said that Catan is first one, top one or top two games, but that's not beside the point. But um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'm not yet sure how this monopolistic tendency will like, yeah how it will reflect itself like, like I, I i everybody's talking about this monopoly and I, I should be nominally be worried about it but like i haven't seen like a dramatic increase in prices i think that some things that happened are fairly good like for example merging of the global chess championship and champions chess tour like it was horrible that they had two separate events although nobody on earth understands the current format of the of the tour like i, I tried reading it five times and still don't understand it what's, what's going on there i think that kind of thing is good but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned, maybe not the fact that it's monopoly, but purely that is size of it and that maybe at some point it will start dictating matters within the chess world from the corporate viewpoint and not from the organizational viewpoint. I think 
like you know there are these rumors that chess.com will start uh, you know grappling the official FIDE events and uh, you know organize the world chess championship i think somebody made that claim in, that in the future that might happen as much as i have my problems with fit i don't think these official things that they should be in the domain of a private company i think there should be an organization that runs and 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 takes care of these things so i mean yeah i'm also rambling there it's, it's such a complicated and and, and yeah like deep yeah subject because there's so many aspects of it i really, I really like how many aspects of chess.com i think it's great that they have these events that they put a lot of money back to back to like uh back into the, to the players i think that it helped an average grandmaster to earn a little bit more but also there are some things i don't like like the constant hype every everything has to be overblown uh and also, yeah, I mean, we'll see where it will be. I don't know if you saw, for example, it was recently announced that IHS.net is closing down. So that's sad. Yeah. So I, like, I know that they say like they are that, um, that because they are in uh, their uh, investors. There is this Vanguard Equity Fund, right? That provided money. So I'm and and they they claim that or they said that. Uh, that they only like the the, the full uh, that the all the decision making will remain in the hands of the chess.com but as someone who has been a part of the startup and chessable i have seen the effect of outside investors or of trying to meet the desires of the outside investors and i'm not sure i'm pretty sure that this fund has some some sort of calculation there or that that I would be very surprised if they didn't. So I'm not sure how that will reflect in the near future. Like, sure, maybe nowadays they can invest in stuff, but what happens if three years after the fund accepts a payout and there is not any? What will happen then? So these are some of the things that I would be a little bit wary personally. But I didn't even. I didn't even. I, first of all, I had no idea that there was uh, <laughs> like an outside fund. That uh, yeah, I just genuinely didn't know that. Um, you can Google it. It's uh, some Vanguard equities. I think they invested like sixty-five million, or no, even something more. I mean, what, what do, where do you think Chesscom got money to, pur- to purchase Coin Magnus? Yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Chess.com is evaluated like it was eight hundred million, and then on top of that, the lawsuit claimed that they're a billion-dollar company. I mean, if that's true, sheesh! Like that's 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 insane. Like, which I mean, makes sense if you have a hundred billion people. Like I think they posted some graphics. Like you know, if Chess.com was a country, it would be like 14th largest in the world. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Uh, which is, uh, I mean, it's awesome. I that that I, I mean, fix your servers, Chess.com. I'm, I'm tilting because of you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it, a. It, it's uh, it's it's difficult. I. There is another issue, uh, which I don't know if people really uh appreciate but there really is like chess.com does do a lot of the stuff they just do it better than everybody else i mean the the one exception to this was this champion chess tour that you know the you know the magnus carlson tour whatever you want to call it i think that was that was phenomenal i actually even got to visit the studio um and it was just very impressive operation like like there's a lot of love and effort um and like tireless work that that people were doing there um in oslo and i was i was like very impressed um mm-hmm. so I, th- I you know i think it's it's good that they have more of these events and stuff uh for sure but yeah it's uh it's kind of more like yeah i don't know how i guess you're right like maybe this monopoly stuff is a little overblown but um i don't know it's it's it, it's still uh it's still a weird 
Even this thing you brought up, like, you know, Chess.com taking over FIDE. I mean, on one hand, FIDE deserves all the blame if 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 they haven't been serving the players' needs in a company. Because, you know, like, I, I, I listened to Hikaru speak about this uh, on his on his uh, stream. And, you know, he said, and I agree with him, like, the main problem with Kasparov's, like, PCA was that they had to look for sponsors every year. But Chess.com has a ton of money, so they can they don't have to worry about that. If they want to, like, hijack the world champions circuit, they can now, like, if, if they wanted to. If they're just, like, tired of FIDE and... They're tired of, you know, you have these like useful idiots like Emil, uh, like no offense, Emil, but like people who just like don't under, you know, like, did you see this thing with like, for example, they have this like Serbian shell company that's really like a Russian company yeah, 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 yeah. doing the world championship for disabilities, which is actually a great thing. I, you know, I, I think that's a really amazing event that, that FIDE holds, but it's like, you know, they're, they, they don't even hide the fact that they have all this like, you know, Russian influence now there's sanctions and stuff like that. They haven't even bothered to try to get like real uh <laughs> like real sponsors. It's, and it's been and you know, chess.com can. They what okay, they were doing like some crypto companies before, but I'm sure they can find some like some, you know, big normal companies to work with them. And I mean at that point yeah but still like i would be still worried like uh, i i'm definitely on you that that fide is doing a lot of wrong uh, i'm i actually think that maybe there could be a substitute to fide uh and maybe in the vein of something that kasparov tried but um, i actually read i don't know if you read uh like i i, I posted this gigantic article about the chess books i read in the last year and one of the books that i read was called chesses uh, through the world of chess it was written by like a french filmmaker uh, who kind of interviewed a lot of people from the chess world and then basically uh, talked about his outsider perspective uh, on the chess world right and among other things he was very he was talking a lot about the fact that probably like his proposal for the solution of this entire problem was for the players to organize something that would be akin to ATP in tennis and that also that the female players organize something that would be akin to WTA in tennis. So basically those would be like so let's say organization organizational structures and then FIDA would merely have like sort of a regulatory uh, sort of role right I, I i mean it's really well worth a read because his concept was very interesting and he made some very compelling arguments and he even said yeah the only problem is when you say this to a chess player they will say it's impossible if it is too big and sure enough when i actually pitched this idea to peter heine nielsen on twitter he said yeah that's impossible so i mean that that for me personally that would sound like a more reasonable solution because i have a feeling that uh, association led by players and organized by players would look at the interests primarily of players whereas if you replace fide with chess.com i mean okay fide is looking a lot on the interests of fide and i have a feeling that if chess.com would do that that they would still end up looking at the interests of chess.com or let's say chess.com investors or of owner funds in the end of the day sure maybe they, they, it would be better you know they they would manage it better they would be more competent and ultimately more money would funnel to the players but still i think it would be it would end up in their in their like you know they would i mean no company would operate something at a loss anyway right right yeah um yeah, it's 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 uh it's tough. I mean, I don't really know. Uh, I don't have any answers. Obviously, I'm just a guy. <laughs> no, me neither. I'm just. I, I like to shove my opinions. Uh, yeah, everywhere, but they are just opinions, right? And then yeah. Tops. Yeah, and I do. I do think that you know, chess.com does some 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 really great stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I guess uh, I'll 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 move on to uh, one of the last topics I want to ask you about. Yeah, uh, sure, today. sure. Because before I get kicked out of Project League by Chess.com, yeah. <laughs> <Wait, maybe. laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I will say also, I like I worked with, uh, as you know, I worked with World Chess. Um, mm-hmm. and they haven't really. They, I know they they did like the the Grand Prix. But before the Grand Prix, because of the pandemic and then the stuff, you know, a lot of them are are, are are Russian. So they kind of were wallowing about like last few years since the pandemic. And I think they're trying to start up again. But, you know, it's tough. I mean, you you log into the online arena. They have this like FIDE online arena. And I actually think it's a very nice site. It's a little like buggy compared to chess.com or whatever. But I actually, I really enjoyed playing on there. But they have like... 300 people online a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's 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 t- it's really tough to break into uh into chess with a company. I know like Aim Chess did it, Chessball obviously did it, but then like what you know they they eventually get bought out and then their parent company gets bought out. So um that's good if you're starting a company and you you know that you're probably going to get <laughs> you know you're going to get bought out at some point. That's if if you do good work, that's that's probably nice, but also if you look online I don't know, like, you, you, I'm sure you've used, like, chessresults.net, right? Of course, all the time, yeah. 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 But that site is, like, it's approaching 20 years old, you know? Like, and it still works, like, really well. But it's, you know, um, a lot of this, the a lot of the stuff on the logistical side about how to follow tournaments, stuff like that. I mean, some of the best resources for that are, like, literally 20 years old. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a testament to how great, you know, the chess internet scene has always been. Or a testament to how people haven't really thought about, you know, maybe improving this. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, there's definitely, like, some sentiment to it, like, because, uh, yeah, like, like the part that's, you know, chess uh, chess players are uh, uh, not very welcoming to change and prone to keeping their old habits and living in their old bubbles. And That's how we met, actually, you remember? That's how we, 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 you, we, you, you roasted me on Twitter for, it was something to that degree that I, that, you know, some new tournament format that I said was great and you said was stupid and, uh, Oh, wasn't it wasn't it writing uh, the moves or no? Okay. I, oh I, yeah, I, I was writing the moves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that 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 was the first DM. Okay, yeah, okay. But you know, I can first... I can end the recording whenever you know, like. You... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not publish it at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. No, I mean, I'm definitely more on that side, and like I'm trying to be more open to change, but I often i also don't want to be like one of those you know i have appearing people like things need to change for the sake of change like i that was one of my main arguments in chess when people would come with more idea with some ideas and i would be like okay but have we actually thought why we are implementing the change or are we just that's why it's done right like like, i'm not saying for but when you say to take a take a example of chess results i mean it's functional it's good it it works well it serves the purpose do we really need to change it maybe it would be nice is it the most urgent like there are some of the questions that maybe should be asked and that that in my opinion can be that uh, this principle can be applied to basically anything you try to change in the chess world right but uh, yeah that's me being bold and cranky i'll just give another shout out to something that i mean i know a lot of people who've been playing longer than me know about but chessgames.com i mean is like it's one of the best chess resources on the planet and nobody uses this everybody's going and buying books i mean you can go on chess games you could find like game collections with like 
you know some of these games are famous games so you have like the like a huge chess community just commenting extensively on it and some of them you know also okay there's like one or two comments zero comments whatever but still like people collect these games i know when i've like you know shown positions to my friends if i'm teaching them chess or whatever i go right on chess games and i look for like whether it's opening blunders or like you know best games the nimzo or whatever like it's such an amazing resource and I know people now are used to like just getting this like, you know, Levy Rosman video like spoon fed to them, or maybe it used to be like a Montour video. But I mean, this site is, I think it was made in 2001. I mean, you could look at like the 2006 World Chess Championship or whatever, like uh, let's say 2008 World Chess Championship, and you could see like what people were thinking back then and like the kibitzing that was going on in 2008. I mean, that is remarkable. Like you could see like, you, you can literally see like the birth of Magnus Carlsen as a chess player because, you know, he burst on the scene like in the early 2000s so you know you have comments from 2004 about his game against gary you know when he played mm-hmm. him for the first time i mean that that is just incredible like that that is just incredible and it still works like you said like does that need to be changed does it need to be updated in terms of how it looks maybe i mean yeah maybe some of the things could be updated for sure to make it more convenient but yeah that's actually a good shot because i was literally checking that website today because when i need like a pgm from a game I, I literally, that's the fastest way, like I some random game, I literally, you know, go there, enter the game, view PGN, control C, like that's much, to me, that's much more faster than going for witches and navigating to the broadcast, like it, I, 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 I grew up on that site, man, like it was, it was so remarkable, there are some very, very legendary comments there, like if you have a, have a time, go to the user, his name is Karpov A. That's the username. So he has compiled in his profile description sort of best of best of 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 comments by chess users. So the, I remember that this was pretty epic, by the way. Sorry, this is a small digression. So, uh, but you triggered it. So there was uh, when when the, there was this whole match Kramnik to Pavlov, right? So in in Avista, the toilet gate. Um, uh, Silvio Danilov, who was Tapalov's manager, he he was the one who accused Kramnik of cheating. And then I know that people were pretty much hating on him. And somebody said <laughs> like something like, "Yeah, I've heard that Russians have put a poisonous scorpion in, in Danilov's bed when he was sleeping. The next day, the scorpion died out of poisoning." So, <laughs> so yeah, there are all all sorts of gold nuggets. And yeah, that's a good point that you said. It's kind of a weaving and breeding chess history out there, and and they are pretty. I think the though that the founder of that site died, if I'm not mistaken. Oh damn! Uh, but yeah, it's still very functional and then has has a nice yeah. I mean, pretty useful actually. If nothing else, you could go to like the game of the day, you know, where they have like sometimes old games, sometimes more recent, like more obscure games, and they always have these like funny. They give these like funny punny titles to them. Um, yeah. So you know, your favorite player has probably has one of those. There's like these notable games that every every player has. So I mean, it's it's amazing. It's just amazing. I use it a lot also when I'm researching um, players for the podcast. If I like want to just know more about their you know what what they play or like you know their best results and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that notable games is actually an amazing feature because, for example, <laughs> sometimes when I'm creating some content, I would say I want to do most beautiful moves by. Name a, name a player, right? Whatever, I mean, Topalov. Like, you, some, it's not something so easy, but then you go there and then you have like some 10 of his famous games and then you already have a starting point. Yeah, that's actually pretty pretty good feature that I don't think is implemented anywhere else. Nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. Yeah, nowhere. It's 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 so unique. I, there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I hear these stories about like the ICC and like you know Kasparov versus the world and like the I, that's something i'm i'm very interested in i wish somebody would like I, I wanted to actually make like some sort of documentary about this but i don't have the 
I don't have the the time or the or the money to buy a real you know stream or YouTube setup or whatever yet. So, mm-hmm. but like this early history of chess, like you know, like the let's say from after Deep Blue beats Kasparov until where we get today. I mean, that's like twenty years of little slow progress that like you know, it, but it shaped everything that we do today. It's like built on like ICC and chess games and like early chess base people in like building their own like little graphical user interfaces to study chess like it, it's I mean, just you mean from the purely from the technical viewpoint yeah right? yeah it's ah, it's yeah. it's already interesting there and then like all these stories that people have like you know whatever you think about hikaru like people talking about like young hikaru like being toxic as hell on uh on inter- internet chess club yeah. well i don't blame <laughs> i don't blame him i don't blame him at all i'm, I'm toxic as hell in, on internet chess as well I, I feel bad for that but uh, yeah 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 i should know better but yeah i i i, I can understand that Especially when since if he did when he was much younger, so yeah. yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I used to be. I used to. I to be honest, I, I'm not. I won't say I'm toxic, but you know, I'll talk a little smack. You know, if somebody refuses to resign, or you know, so you know, sometimes like if I know I'm completely winning and somebody doesn't want to resign, like before Maiden one, I'll just wait to run out the clock. Like I do, like little yeah, annoying no, stuff that, like that. That's, yeah, like I when when what I do on WeChat, I I uh, start increasing their time. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like plus fifteen. Yeah, that's and that, yeah, there there are some little things that you could do. I, I I heard recently Hikaru saying that he he so he what he used to do is he, so he he has a, he um he he's mating with the next move and then what he does he offers a draw and then quickly makes mate so that kind of stuff yeah but not like what i what i sometimes do like okay i, I sometimes can, can get really toxic and that's something i want to write about and I'm, I'm not proud of it i don't think everybody should do it and i i'm don't do it like i should be scolded for that but just say uh, i'm saying that i kind of understand it but for example if i lose a game and it's like yesterday i was some rapid game and i was totally winning and then i wrote later I hope you are proud of that one and stuff like that. And then I see that the guy has 12 years old and then I feel ultra bad and just think I should quit online chess whatsoever. So, yeah, these things happen. Yeah. No, yeah. No, but That's a good been, podcast. I have been planning to write an article called Confessions of an Internet Chess Degenerate for a long, long time. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I do have a presentation somewhere on my YouTube channel where I talk about chess improvement and then I talk about negative effects. And then at some point I did include some of my witches chess screenshots from like 3 a.m. So, um, yeah, it's it always it's always after 2, 3 a.m. So, so yeah, yeah. Not, not to be recommended, but. Uh, yeah, you're not really thinking straight at that point. No, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah, so, um. I don't know. I guess I guess a nice segue to the to the final topic. Uh, we tilt a lot, you know, you and me. Seems like I don't know who tilts more. I would assume me, probably. Um, although you re- really you really don't know. Um, aside from you know being toxic online, uh, how do you how do you combat tilt? Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm extremely bad at it. I I don't I I don't know. <laughs> if I mean, you, if you only... find out, let me know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only, like, who was it? I, I think it was even Hans who said it. Yeah, the, the only way to combat it is winning the next game or, or or stopping completely. But yeah, I mean, I'm extremely, extremely bad at it. So don't, you're asking really the wrong guy. Well, sometimes asking the wrong guy is asking the right guy. Like, for example, so, someone gave me a podcast and I, I'm not qualified to speak about anything. So, you know, mm-hmm. but then, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, life comes at you fast. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, I have to blame the chess.com servers for I normally, you know, I can never blame myself. Uh, so I'll of course, put... yeah, that's, the, that's the first rule of dealing with tilt. You are not, it's not your fault at all. It's never your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah you and, sure. and, and like analyze your games, take a break. Pff, come on, what are we, five years old here? Come on, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, we got lives. Uh, but yeah, I like, I, I, the, this whole week I'm like playing games. I lose some games in the morning. Then I'm finally winning one of the server breaks and then I don't get credit. I mean, that is just like humiliating. Mm-hmm. Does not help your mental state at all. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I think the only way for me to deal with tilt is to not to play, honestly. Like, I, I think I remember I was like at, 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 I was once in a therapy talking about these things. And then like, I literally, you know, like uh, at some moment, like the words, I'm happier when I don't play online chess got out of me. And my therapist was, aha, see, there is something here. And I genuinely true. like, like, uh, yeah. So, so why I, do you still play online chess then? I don't know. Ego thing, whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to be fair, sometimes like sometimes I use it like when I get anxious or, or when things get a little bit much, then I use it as, a, as, in, as an escapism method. But, you know, there are good ways, ways of escaping and bad methods because usually it couples with other negative connotations. So yeah, it usually is, okay, I'm a bit overwhelmed or anxious or whatever, haven't slept well, then I start playing and in that state, usually play badly. And then it just increases the anxiety and loop. So, so then you end up like playing for way too long, feeling worse at the end of it and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it's just I, like my go-to move, make witches and, and, and start a game. And uh, at, at times when you definitely shouldn't do it. And then you sell, I personally justify to myself, like, yeah, you are practicing chess, you know, it's, you can't, you are now a coach, you can't reduce your coaching profile, blah, blah, blah. But I think objectively, you know, it's kind of with social media. You convince yourself that you need them and that you know they are big and integral part of your life and then probably if you deleted it you would wouldn't feel you're missing that much whatsoever i think that would be the case and i would i think i would pretty much more easily find a substitute either by playing live or or i don't know uh, yeah finding a more healthy way to deal with it something but do, do you feel like it's helped you improve like uh online chess I'm, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, sure. I mean, it couldn't have hurt. I mean, you are playing, you are studying some games, but the only question is, uh, what is the cost? And B, whether it's the only way to improve. Like, for I know, I, I, I think I've spent whatever, whatever, 120 days on playing on witches of my life. Like, what if I spent 15 days of the, I, I can double check that right now as we speak, but, uh, I think that's that's something that that's comparable to the amount that I spent in World of Warcraft. I think it's I know seventy six days. Yeah, okay, not that bad. You play WoW? I didn't know you're the first person. I've been asking a couple of people they play World of Warcraft. I play WoW too. Well, not anymore. No, I played it. I played it. I played yeah. it as a kid. Yeah. I I I play like on and off. I started playing like ten years ago. Um, I played a lot of classic when it came out, but I I I didn't have time to like raid or any of that stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I I got I got I think WoW WoW was the first uh, like. So as, as you might have figured out, I do have sort of an addictive, compulsive uh, <laughs> tendencies. And I think Valve WoW was the really first time that actually it manifested itself. Because, um, um, so, you know, as you said, you, so I played it like when I was 12 to 13 or something. And uh, my parents at the time, they restricted my time at PC. So they would, uh, so I would control play like two hours. Yeah, yeah, two, two, two hours a day. So what I would do. I, I had my pocket money and I would go to the playroom. 
I would lie to my parents that I'm outside at football doing sports. I would play WoW there for two hours where I would like farm gear. Then I would get home and then I would rate in the evening. And that was, and then, okay, fortunately, I just stopped when I started going into high school. But uh, yeah, uh, fun, fun all times. Hopefully my mom and dad are not listening to this. <laughs> I think so. That's, that's really funny. Yeah, I remember parental controls. It, it was RuneScape for me, though. I, I never ever... got that one. Why it's so popular? But I mean, yeah. it's it's like um, it's to it's to wow what checkers is to chess. I would say ah. it, it ah, okay. is the at least in terms of grind, it is the grindiest thing I have ever like seen in my life. I mean, you could watch people play RuneScape; they will say like, you know, oh, I spent like four hundred fifty hours at this one boss to get this like one pet. I mean, it's like what people do wow. there is nuts, and I'm not talking about like. You know, like World of Warcraft, people like do that to get like some, some cosmetic thing. This is not cosmetic. This is for like genuine upgrades. Like ah, it takes ah. about a year to like, of like full time playing to like fully level up your account. You have to like be playing wow. nonstop for like a full year, which for most people translates to like you know five six years of playing an account like. How, how is that fun? Why is it so? Po- I mean, it's pretty popular, right? It's it's surprisingly popular. I think it's this just like being addicted to grind. It's it's like it's the same it's the same thing that people deal with with like online chess and stuff like that. I think it's yeah, just like literally addicted to just grinding out and like hope you know, and hoping you'll eventually see the results. I mean, I think it's easier than chess, <laughs> but it's yeah yeah. It kind of depends only on yourself. Huh? There's that case where you you have some sort of goal that think that you think will make you super happy, and then you grind to achieve it, and then you realize you've just wasted million of time, and you're miserable at the end of it, or not as happy as you thought you would yeah. be, huh? kind of. You know, and I, I actually so like in RuneScape, you have like let's say I think twenty seven or t- like twenty six skills that you level up. Some of them are combat, some of them are like other stuff like resource gathering and stuff like that. But the goal is to get them all to ninety nine. That's like when then you max out your account. And so uh-huh. I was reading this Reddit post about maxed out accounts, people who like cannot get any more levels in their skills. And all of them said something to the degree of like, this is all I wanted for years. And when I got it, I felt nothing. And now mm-hmm. some of them are like, I don't play anymore. I'm just like burnt out. Some of them are like, yeah, I just started with a new account to feel it, feel the rush again. But that's like an incredible aspect. I mean, this is apparently the Chessfields podcast now, but that's like an incredible. And then with chess, it's even worse because like, you know, you lose, imagine like it said, you actually lose experience, like, you know, that you mm. can't, that there's actually risk involved. So I don't know, but pe- people seem to be super, and I I can include myself, people seem to be really addicted to like the so-called grind. Um, well, this is a interesting episode. Uh, it's very controversial. You know, we, <laughs> we both revealed we're degenerates and, uh, you know, criticized our, uh, you know, our this corporate is- overlords and, um, Talked a little bit about Pro Chess League. So this was this was a lot of fun. Um, I actually have a meeting in a couple of minutes for research. So I do have to go. Uh, but this was a lot of fun. I hope to have yeah, you back. I, I can't even ask you how is your PhD and research going and about uh, I have, guitar, I have guitar skills. Bit. That sucks. Oh. I, I have a little bit of time. The, the PhD is fine. I'm, I I need to focus more on research, which obviously means less podcast stuff. So I, it's all about finding a balance. And yeah, I mean, I've been playing guitar for like, I think at this point, I want to say 12 years. Wow. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm Are you still doing it regularly or? Yeah, I play every day. I'll play like an hour or two. Oh, um, that's actually impressive consistency, no? Yeah. And I, this is something I only really got consistent at it like this past year. 
because I bought a guitar in Denmark for my like I guess my mental health and I you know I didn't have too many friends there because I had just moved there so I ended up just playing a couple hours a day now I scaled it back sometimes I don't have time uh, I don't play like when I'm on vacation and stuff like that I'll just take a break from it completely but like generally I play like about an hour or two a day just by nice. practicing so yeah I've, I've gotten a lot better I mean obviously I, I don't know maybe newer listeners to the podcast I actually recorded the intro like everything you hear I I I, I put down so uh, so I'm very proud of that um, can you do an option solo? <laughs> uh, I could play. I, I could play most of it. Uh, is that... no, that's, that's the, the most degenerate. Uh, like, what, what, no, what's the most requested degenerate? Like through, through the fire and flame solo. Like you know, when somebody thinks as a generate measure of of uh, how good you are at guitar. Like, can you play through the fire and flames? Right. Like, what's Although that is a song I want to learn. I mean, that, that that's I will say through the fire and flames. Like it slaps. But I agree with you. Like it's definitely overplayed. I think the worst one will always be Wonderwall or. Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are like those are just like uh, and and now you have this whole like the you, we talked about chess grifters. I mean, guitar grifters are whole other level. It it is bad. Like you have these random you know these random people who come out of nowhere with like ten thousand dollars in in gear and they're just like you know they're playing the same stuff that everybody's heard before, like Wonderwall and like Stairway to Heaven, some Jimi Hendrix and like no yeah, taste. Smoke on the water, probably. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And there's like no taste. They sound like everybody else. And it's just like, because like, you know, they look cool. So they, and then they get all these like endorsements and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It, to, to me, it's very frustrating. Or like, I don't know. There's this band Polyphia. I don't know if you should check them out. I love them. I love them. Oh, I me too. Them. Yeah, I love yeah, Polyphia. They, I know. I mean, they are reinventing the, the, the wheel for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're phenomenal. I'm a big fan. I don't know. Like the new album I thought was like half great. And then all the like, all the random vocal features I thought was completely unnecessary. So that's how I felt, but mm-hmm. they have a thousand clones online. They have a lot of these people who just blatantly rip them off. I'm sure in the eighties with like, you know, metal coming up, it was probably the same thing about a bunch of like wannabes, but it's just awful. Cause like you would have to actively look, look, look for those people back then. And now this shit just gets pushed at you. Like whether you're on Twitter or Instagram or wherever the hell, like the algorithm will just shove these people onto you. And I don't want to mm-hmm. see them. Like I don't care for these people. At all. Yeah, I mean it's not, but it's, but it's kind of natural when somebody basically, I mean, almost invents a new genre, and then that the people will try to emulate it. But yeah, I, I can understand the frustration. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, no, no, of course. I it's a testament to how good they are. I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan, like a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Although, although I only like out of all these grifters, I only I don't know if you know this guy Kamek. Oh yeah, came back to yeah, the, the, he's, came back, yeah, he's he's the he's the only only he, his cover of Through the Fire and Flames and uh, Hilarious. He, that's, the only, that's the only one and the eruption, that's the only one I, I actually admit. <laughs> he he's the goat. I, I love his videos. His videos are hilarious. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't yeah. post that much anymore. It's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess he ran out of ideas or burnt out. But yeah, this he's he was I, I remember when there was like he was posting regularly yeah. two, three years ago, four even. Oh my god, yeah. I'm old. Yeah, that was amazing. No, I remember that. Hey, hey, so you must have played guitar then too, right? Yeah, yeah, I played, I played a short period, like from I don't know, for two, three years. I, I we actually had some sort of hardcore band because that was oh, oh, in, in it was in high school and in 2011, it was all about melodic hardcore and metalcore. So we kind of tried some stuff, but cool. yeah, it, it went. But I, I yeah, I mean, I, I like music and I like this. I mean, my my brother is. He's in two bands and he's super into this stuff, so I kind of have to keep track to show him that I'm not boomer. Oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> I mean, that, I, do you know that, that that's how actually I I first like I, I like it was pretty funny because Hert, you know that Hert one you know from Chessable CEO, he used to be like um uh, I mean he had a musical career, but in his youth, one of his first bands I think was Shy Hulud, a metal. Yeah, Shy Hulud. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we talked about it. Yeah, he had he was on their like second album or something, which I had listened to before. That it's like oh this guy is like randomly like. CEO of a chess company now. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. And my like my my my, my former band mate, he was like he's one of the biggest Shy Hood fans ever. So when I told him, yeah, I'm working in chess company and my boss is Hert Van der Velde, he was like, oh my god, Hert! Oh, and he was fanboying all over the place, right? So it's yeah. sick. And then I told him he plays B3 and he lost his enthusiasm. On that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I guess on that note, uh, listen, bro. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, I'll... Thanks yeah. for inviting me. It was a real pleasure. And yeah, yeah I'm glad we did it. Much. I, yeah. I mean, I know, like you also, you're a big book connoisseur. If I ever like read an interesting book, I'll let you know. Maybe we could do a book review together. Like I'm, I'm down. Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, guys, check out his Twitter. It's just essentials underscore. Uh, also, we'll link his website and the, all the information about his pro chess league stuff in the in the uh description so check that out chasuble once again thanks for sponsoring the podcast uh, uh yeah if you want to find out about some of my personal favorite courses chessable.com slash 64 podcast has a bunch of the courses i used to improve so you know check check those out uh and yeah that's about it for me but hope you guys have a good week and i'll see you guys soon take it easy